The South Vietnamese government awarded campaign medals to Americans who served in the Vietnam War. Each decoration had affixed to the ribbon a metal scroll inscribed 1960- The closing date was never filled in. Perhaps prophetically, since for many Americans, the war has never ended. That should not be surprising, for those years constituted one of the most complex and difficult periods the country and its armed forces has ever gone through. A limited war within the larger Cold War, within a global cultural revolution, and ultimately a failed endeavor. If, as the scroll suggests, American participation is dated from 1960, its early years were primarily advisory. Then, starting in the spring of 1965, American ground forces began deploying to take part in the war, with the supporting air and naval campaigns also expanding proportionately. At the peak, in the spring of 1969, some 543,400 Americans were serving in South Vietnam, with many thousands more operating from ships offshore and airfields in adjacent countries. In early 1968, there occurred what may now be seen as the pivotal event of the war, at least from the American viewpoint, a series of battles that came to be known as the Tet Offensive. Beginning on the night of 30 January and intensifying the following night, Communist forces launched a series of coordinated attacks against major population centers all across South Vietnam, violating a truce by timing them to coincide with the celebration of the Lunar New Year, known as Tet, traditionally a time of peace, brotherhood, and family reunion for all Vietnamese. The attackers... North Vietnamese Army and Viet Cong forces suffered grievous casualties, principally among the Viet Cong indigenous to the south, and the offensive was defeated quickly, save in Saigon and Hue, where the fighting raged for a month. More important, however, the psychological effect of these unexpected and widespread assaults was devastating, especially in the United States, where hopes for an early end to the war had been raised by progress reported during the preceding year. General William C. Westmoreland, then commanding U.S. forces in Vietnam, had been particularly sanguine in his predictions, saying in the autumn that he had never been more encouraged in his four years in Vietnam and that we had reached a point where the end had begun to come into view. The contrast between those pronouncements and what now appeared to be happening on the battlefield precipitated a dramatic downturn in the American public's willingness to continue supporting the war. Soon after Tet 1968, General Westmoreland was replaced as U.S. commander in Vietnam by General Creighton W. Abrams renowned as a troop leader since World War II when he commanded a battalion of tanks in the drive across Europe, en route breaking through to the 101st Airborne Division where it was encircled at Bastogne during the Battle of the Bulge and winning two distinguished service crosses and a battlefield promotion to colonel in the process.
Abrams joined Ambassador Ellsworth Bunker, a patrician Vermonter and international businessman-turned-diplomat, recently acclaimed for dexterous handling of a volatile situation during U.S. intervention in the Dominican Republic. Bunker had settled into the Saigon Post the previous spring, thereby ending a long series of frequent ambassadorial changes. Soon, these men were joined by Ambassador William E. Colby, a career officer of the Central Intelligence Agency, who had earlier been the agency's chief of station, Saigon, then chief of the Far East Division at CIA headquarters. Building a brilliant intelligence career on World War II service with the Office of Strategic Services, service that saw him decorated for valor after parachuting behind enemy lines, Colby arrived to take over American support of the pacification program. In the wake of Tet, 1968, the tasks confronting the new leadership triumvirate were challenging indeed. America's long buildup of forces was at an end, soon to be supplanted by a progressive reduction in the forces deployed. Financial resources, previously abundant, were becoming severely constrained. Domestic support for the war, never robust, continued to decline, the downward spiral fueled in reinforcing parts by opponents of the war and others deploring inept prosecution of it. Lyndon Johnson had, in effect, been driven from office by these escalating forces, while Richard Nixon's tenure would of necessity constitute an extended attempt to moderate and adapt to them without losing all control.